0: Welcome to the Everything Co-working Podcast, where every week I keep you updated on the latest trends and how-tos in coworking. I owned and operated coworking spaces for eight years and then served as the executive director of the Global Workspace Association for five years. And today I work with hundreds of operators and community managers every month allowing me to bring you thought-provoking operator case studies and inspirational interviews with industry thought leaders to help you confidently stay on top of what's important and what you can apply to your own role in the coworking industry. Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast. This is your host, Jamie Rousseau. My guest today is Mark Gilbreth. He is the CEO of Liquid Space, and he shares some super interesting insights around what the larger end users are thinking about, how they're acting, how they're shopping, and how they're using platforms like Liquid Space. And we actually got into a discussion about the term aggregator. Mark was very kind in bringing up his concern about using that term. And Liquid Space, he referred to Liquid Space as a hybrid workplace management platform. And you'll see as we dive in why he uses that term. And he walks through some of the behaviors of aggregators that may not be in the best interest of operators. So, for those of you thinking about how to broaden your sources of lead generation and wondering if the work that goes into listing on platforms like Liquid Space is worth it this is a super important conversation I see you know posts and discussions on LinkedIn and Facebook groups and some folks saying you know they don't want the effort of having to list on platforms like liquid space and I caution you depending on your business goals it is more important than ever from a practical standpoint to have access to all the leads in your marketplace that are good leads and relevant leads, not just the small business owners or the freelancers or the entrepreneurs, I think from a really practical standpoint, one of the things that we're seeing is that all of our members are using the space differently and new members are showing up knowing that they're not going to come to the space every day. So you'll fill your offices and then your flex users are going to want more flexible, more flexibility than ever before. I keep mentioning this podcast with Sarah Travers at Workbar, who said, you know, they love the 10 day a month user. And you'll have to listen to that episode over on the Flex Uncensored podcast. I won't get to go into more details here, but also, you know, there are conversations in our Facebook group. I kind of butted in on one where someone was talking about putting in an extraordinary number of flex desks. And I was really pushing her to make sure that made sense for her market and for her business model goals but you need you know more leads than ever before because if you're selling fractional access those plans are lower priced and so from a practical standpoint you need more members in order to make the same amount of money that you might have made before the pandemic or you need new leads that are augmenting the demand that you had before the pandemic and where do those come from those might come from the individual users who are finding you on google but there's also a huge opportunity across all types of markets today to get leads that are employees of a larger company or even a mid-sized company who where the company is introducing them to the option of using a co-working space and not just working at home And they're enabling their employees to make those decisions through a platform like a liquid space. And there are other platforms, you know, that enable similar behavior as well. So you want to, you know, do some research and understand the model around each of the platforms that may bring you leads and how they work. And if they make sense for your business, test them and then, you know, put the commitment and the time commitment for your team and updating the listings and managing the leads um, into the ones that are working for you. And Mark and I kind of jump into that in our conversation, as he said, you know, they used to focus on sort of the the football cities, you know, bigger cities. And I used to kind of advise folks, Hey, if you're in a bigger market, you're probably going to have luck with liquid space. If you're in a smaller market, maybe not. And that is really starting to shift. And he shares some examples in our conversation. So even in smaller markets, start considering these platforms that are bringing leads to you that may not be searching on their own on Google and can augment you know the leads that you need in order to get to the membership base that makes your business profitable or allows you to expand into a second location, et cetera. So I think this is a super practical conversation in terms of helping you think about whether you want to list on platforms. And also, you know, kind of a cool macro behind the scenes into how the end users, the bigger end users, are making workplace decisions and using platforms like Liquid Space. Really quickly, back to sort of the the practical objection that people will put up in terms of using a platform like Liquid Space. Also, look at how they operate as they sync with your own calendar. So we used Liquid Space in Chicago in Palo Alto for years and years, and. Got leads, meeting room leads, member long-term membership leads, the meeting room requests that the calendar, the Liquid Space calendar was synced to our Google calendar. It was very simple, and so there was no need to cross-check or you know worry that one was updated, one was not updated. Our inventory was essentially real-time on Liquid Space, so it was very simple. They also um, have a new integration with Office R and D, so if you're an Office R and D user, that's an easy setup as well. So. If you have any questions about, you know, the platforms you're listing, you know, jump into our Facebook group, join our Everything Coworking Academy membership, um, where we dive into these things in detail. Okay, before we dive into my conversation with Mark, I do want to give a huge shout out and high five to our recently certified community managers, Heather Morris. She is at Bricks Coworking in Madison, Wisconsin. Scout Dawson is with Venture X, and I think she's. In Houston. Uh oh. I should have checked that before I announced it. Scout, congratulations. And then Laura Pascal, I am sure I'm not going to say that pronounces correctly. Maybe Manglar, Manglar.work in Spain near Barcelona. Check out the website. I just went on to make sure that it was in Spain and there's a lot of eye candy on their website. So huge congrats to Heather Morris, Laura Pascal, and Scout Dawson on doing their community manager certification. If you have a community manager and you want them to get certified, you can learn more at everythingcoworking.com forward slash community manager. And now let's jump into my conversation with Mark. So I reached out to Mark Gilbreth and said, Mark, there's so much happening on the demand side right now that I would love to have you come on the podcast and give us the updates. Mark is the CEO of Liquid Space which I'll let him put it in his words, but a platform that enables anyone to work from where it works. And I suspect this is, you know, a busier time than ever for liquid space. So Mark and I were just catching up. Mark has a trip of a lifetime coming up with his son biking across Italy. So Mark, thanks for fitting this in before you take off. And thanks for joining us.
1: Hey Jamie, it's great to be back. Hey, everything co-working peeps. Been a little while. Nice to see y'all and uh yeah, um exciting times personally and professionally.
0: So, Mark I sent you kind of a little list of questions, but yeah. I think we should just dive in. I mean, I would love to have you talk more about for anyone who doesn't know <laughs> who might be listening that doesn't know what Liquid Space is and I will say as the future of work gets more uncertain. The interest in flex gets more certain and our listenership has grown. So there may be folks that haven't heard you on the podcast before, and I'll link up to our previous episodes in the show notes. But I see, you know, smatterings of conversations of folks trying to figure out, you know, where platforms like Liquid Space fit in. And I know there's so much happening behind the scenes. Um, I was on a call with Eric and he talked about the Trinet example, which I think is a great one that, you know, I'd love to to dive in here today. But yeah, tell us what is liquid space? Who do you serve? You know, what's happening on the demand side that's making liquid space more relevant than ever before?
1: Yeah, well because there are so many folks in the everything co-working audience that are amongst the audience are are probably relatively newer to this industry that, you know, Jamie you and I have been so committed to for a big chunk of our careers. <laughs> a little bit of brief history. I'm a guy that after first half of my career in technology decided to get into co-working. In fact, I was literally running a co-working space in Boise, Idaho in 2008. And uh, it was a tough time to own and operate real estate with a global financial crisis. But I actually was, I was one of you. I was one of us, right? An operator. And through a, a fast and furious couple of years that ended somewhat sadly for that co-working venture, I got real clarity on a technology opportunity. And in 2011, Liquid Space launched to the world at South by Southwest as the first example of a truly transactional digital marketplace to connect professionals to great spaces to work most specifically serviced offices and co-working spaces in 2011 there were there were more people that more entities that self-identified as, as serviced offices and co-working was still, still a relatively young term then but as the years have rolled on of course co-working as as a label and as a concept of a community driven, you know, flexible space now in thousands of locations around the world became really the center point of the flexible office market and the liquid space digital marketplace that launched in 2011 as a mobile app and a website that you could use to search, find, or book space by the hour or by the day. You'll laugh at the beginning. It was three locations in San Francisco. (laughs) Got to start somewhere, Mark. (laughs) Yeah, it was Pacific workspaces, Mm -hmm. uh, Next Space, and uh, Rocket Space. One of those no longer, or two of those no longer exist. But it began in that humble context. and, And year by year, it grew and expanded on two fronts. It grew geographically to now it's standing as a digital marketplace through which you can discover and evaluate and transact spaces around the world. It also grew in terms of the scope of the problems it was trying to solve for. So, you know, at the outset, it was, hey, I'm, I'm a professional or I'm a, I need a place for a meeting tomorrow for two hours, or I need a place to work myself next Thursday. Uh, that, was, that was the use case. Along the way, the use case is expanded to not just space by the hour of the day, but space by the month or longer. Jamie needs, Jamie wants a membership. She wants to belong uh, at a co-working space for months on end, or or it also might be a professional or a company that is looking for a place for its team to collaborate and call a home. So up through the pre-pandemic period, up through 2019, our marketplace sort of boldly expanded into being space by the hour, day, month, or by the year. And pre-pandemic, companies—not just individuals, but companies—and in particular mid-sized and larger enterprises—had become the largest constituency using our platform. That was pre-pandemic. And then the world changed. You know, the world changed. Somebody sneezed in Wuhan and, you know, two months later, somebody took a plane to Silicon Valley and three weeks later, the shelter in place orders, you know, rippled across, you know, Jamie game in San Francisco and, and the US as a whole. And of course, we've all experienced two years of the world shifting and the perspectives around work and workplace shifting. And on the other side of that now, as the the new patterns are emerging that customer that had become one of the largest constituents for our business pre-pandemic the business has now become for us a singular focus like our product which we can talk about today if you like and our go to market strategy has zeroed in on what we are now seeing and the data is now validating this we're now seeing as the largest and fastest growing And we think for your audience, amongst the most lucrative and maybe the most loyal type of customer, which is the now millions of employees for companies of all sizes who are embracing the idea of hybrid workplace, of flexibility and choice in ways that they had never contemplated pre-pandemic. So a bit of a long ramble there for you, but I'll take a breath.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's super helpful. And can you talk about kind of, what is going on in that consumer's mind and how are they shopping? There was a little exchange on LinkedIn recently. Somebody said there's a lot of aggregators and too much and I'm not going to do it. And, you know, Jamie Lewis, who's now at JLL, but wait, she has a new last name. I got that wrong.
1: We'll look look it up. I know. (laughs) She's our dear friend. I know.
0: Totally. I, yes. And I know I keep forgetting her last name. That's a but anyway, she was at Liquid Space for years, and she popped in yeah. and said, "You know, I'm sure Liquid Space is seeing this, and JLL is seeing this. Like the end user, the enterprise, or even you know, medium business end users are looking for this solution. And there's a lot of reasons they really like these platforms, and that they're not going to go direct to the operator. So if you want that consumer, Lawson, Jamie Lawson, I was
1: just yes. gonna, I was waiting okay. for the moment. Yes, yes, <laughs>
0: yeah." <laughs> yeah. So anyway, she said, you know, the the end user is using those platforms. And so if you want access to them, that's how they're shopping. Can you
1: talk more about that? Absolutely. I mean, look, the world changed. Like lots of companies marketing lots of solutions at various times in history sort of want to inject that sort of notion. Hey, the world changed. Now you need my new widget, right? Well, the world did change in this pandemic. And in particular, the way work and workplace Work uh, <laughs> fundamentally changed—not a little bit. It's not like a little bit of a market open up, but it fundamentally changed, right? And in the wake of that, here are, I think, in my humble opinion, some of the key learnings or insights that any co-working operator needs to take on. They may not wish you need, you need to understand this. You may not choose to act on it, but you need to understand that companies, employers, whether you're a hundred-person startup company in Burlingame, California, or whether you're Stripe or Spotify or AT&T or the U.S. government, companies are challenging their workplace and real estate and HR organizations to be radically more agile. Hey, real estate leader, workplace leader, HR leader, this is the CEO speaking of, of Fortune 500 company, you need to deliver workplace experience anywhere in the world, right? In the past, we asked you to build campuses for us, but we now have, for the, we've been hiring people everywhere for two years and they've been migrating. You got to go figure that out now. You need to go be agile and be able to deliver great workplace, great collaboration, great culture opportunities to our employees, not in five or 10 more regions where we might put regional offices, as was our pace pre pandemic, but you got to go figure out how you might possibly do that in hundreds or thousands of locations. Thing one. Thing two, you got to do it 10x faster. You got to be more responsive. Old world, before the world changed, you know, workplace and real estate leaders, you know, small companies and large, would think about real estate decisions as a 12 to 36 month kind of process. Sometimes even longer. You know, big companies would spend five years planning for headquarters. Now, these same individuals at these companies are being told you got to be you got to be radically 10x, if not 100x, more responsive. Next Tuesday, a requirement might pop up for an employee in Vilnius, Lithuania, or in, in Bali, or in Bend, Oregon, and we need you to resolve it in the moment. In addition, these same figures are being told that they've got to be more personal. you got to be more personalized in how you deliver workplace experiences. So, hey, hey, we want you to be responsive and personalized to every individual's preferences. And then lastly, as if that wasn't an impossible enough challenge <laughs> these same companies or the CFOs at these same companies and the CEOs behind them are saying you got to be radically more efficient like we you know we see that we have a massive economic opportunity to rationalize the traditional offices that we have accumulated that we've got too much of and in anything that you do real estate or workplace or HR leader we want you to also to to reap some savings so we want you to be everywhere. We want you to move faster. We want you to be massively personalized. And we want you to, to do it with a smaller budget. None of the systems or the processes or the models that the real estate and HR and workplace leaders would have used to deliver a workplace in the past can do any one of those things. They're, you know, building a campus, leasing office space, building it out, that that can't be the agile everywhere. That is a multi-year process, not a next week process. Not personalized, it's homogenous and for the masses. And we know what the expenses of that look like. It's not like uh, the pathway to having a more economically efficient workplace does not consist of continuing to lease office space that they have no idea what the usage is going to be. So all those things are true now. Those are the new challenges. And the exciting thing for your audience is, you know, we all, you know, we, you know, we, the flexible office world, the co working, the grand community, we all know that we can run at the rhythm of next week. We all right, know that, exactly. a, that a prospect can walk in the front door yeah. on a tour, work that afternoon, and sign a monthly membership that night. We delight in that. Or come in a meeting for a
0: meeting every Thursday, and that's fine too. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yep. Yeah. And we know that we every one of us individual co-working operations is part of a, a rich tapestry of diverse operators. You know, We United are an extraordinary ecosystem of places from the tiniest of towns, Kalispell, Montana, to New York City and, <laughs> and you know, Shanghai. We we know that this tapestry is diverse. It's geographically distributed. Oh my fucking God, It's it sounds like it's precisely the tapestry of places that need to be discoverable and available to in some efficient way, whatever that might be, to this community of companies that have awoken and are being tasked with Go faster, go everywhere, do it more economically, and deliver a great community experience. And, and they've so, never had
0: the tools to do that, right? That's never been how they operated or what they delivered, yeah. and so exactly they don't right. have the tools, and they need to access a way to deliver that.
1: Which is indeed, uh, and so yeah. And you pose the question, or you, you reference the you, know, the you know the the rumblings or the open open questions that are posed on various forums about like well. These aggregators, you know what? Like, what's an aggregator, and do I want to be on them? And oh my God, there's a lot of them calling me, and there's a shit ton of work associated. It seems like it's, you know, more. more uh, not much juice comes out of that if I squeeze on that lemon. Like, so, you know, should I? Right? So, I think there. I certainly have a position on some of those questions. But yeah, the world changed, and uh, we, the community of great places to work, have this incredible once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be matched with people that want to work from wherever it works.
0: So. Can you zoom in a little bit? Maybe the Trinet example or another one you think is relevant. What does the use case look like? So how are they sure. you know framed up what they're looking for? How does liquid space deliver it? Kind of what does the workflow look like and how do how do they show up at our doors?
1: <laughs> sure yeah, and um, and i'll I'll bring into it a little bit of the new jobs to be done or the new problems to solve that became quickly apparent to us early in the pandemic so it was May, June of 2020, seems like a long time ago, but early in the pandemic when we all were, I think we we're hoping it was gonna be over by, by uh, you know, Memorial Day, Labor Day. We pretty quickly developed the hypothesis that, wow, even if, even if this pandemic is only three months long or heaven forbid if it's six months long, this is probably gonna drive some pretty profound, it's gonna, it's gonna leave some imprint on companies. Number one, we figured that even a three month long Work from home experiment was going to condition employees and their managers to realize that they could work in more places effectively than just the office. We thought that was thing one, that the behavior change would lock in. Secondly, we thought it would remind, like the pandemic and the economic strain on the economy and on companies, would remind most companies of the fact that they spent a lot of money on real estate. Maybe that can they've been kicking down the road about real estate optimization and portfolio optimization and the possibilities of flexible office and co-working being a whole lot more economic deserves some attention. So we, we hypothesized those two things. And we said, if both those hypotheses are true, if both those effects happen, then enterprises are going to be even more covetous of your audience, of those great places to work. What will that then require? If companies get that burning light bulb moment, which is, oh, wow, there's this thing co-working that no one told me about. And it sounds like the solution to my desire is to be more agile and serve great places to work anywhere. And it, oh, wow, they, yeah, they're open every day of the week and they'll take tours. I've I've got to connect to them and I want to spend less money. Like we reasoned that if that burning light bulb came on that, and I've got some history, I know you do too, Jamie, you know, working with and for large enterprises, you know, you and I know large enterprises and even mid-sized companies like to do things in efficient ways. They like to do things in systematic ways. They like to do things with a measure of oversight and control. Uh, they like to learn from what they do. They like data. We did not think it was going to be realistic that companies would just, after the pandemic closed, right? We didn't think that they were just going to go and send an email to all the employees and say, okay, you can now go co-working. Good luck. Right. You are or, free to
0: roam about the world. Yeah, just, Let us know, know good, how it good, goes. Yeah, <laughs> send us a
1: postcard, right? And we also didn't think they would say, Hey, you're able to do that and, uh, go check out Google. You might be able to find some co-working spaces there. We didn't think that's how it would play out. Yeah. And there were lots of reasons to think that they wouldn't go about it that way. And one example I like to cite is a very analogous sort of situation that existed pre-pandemic in terms of how companies dealt with a very similar phenomenon, travel. Yeah, that's a mid-size great... And lar- yeah, mm-hmm. mid-size and larger companies, you, you know, they do business travel, right? Yeah. And in business travel there are a lot of similarities for us as the co-working world. You've got a a fragmented supply base, you know, hundreds of airlines, thousands of hotel brands, diverse preferences amongst employees. And there's a robust market and ecosystem of platforms and technologies and tools that help companies manage the complexity of the global travel base of providers. So Anywhere that you find a fragmented supplier base that has or wants to serve an enterprise, you generally find tools and services that have been developed to help connect enterprises efficiently to a fragmented supply base. It sounds a little impersonal, but if we look honestly at the incredibly, anyway, the burgeoning flexible office, sort of co-working well, it fits a lot of those. So parallel. So we reasoned well. Wow, There's going to be some additional tools that will be needed by companies, or rather, we could create some tools that would help bridge that gap, that would equip companies with the mechanisms to be able to make the discovery, the evaluation, the transaction of co working spaces by their employees more structured, more regimented. And that for us took the form of an entirely new product that we built and launched about 15 months ago. It's called Workplace Manager, it's a SaaS application. S-A-A-S, software as a service. It's an entirely new product, software application that we built to complement our marketplace that many of your audience members know of. LiquidSpace.com was and is a marketplace. You can search for space. You can interact directly with co-working operators and other types of property that have space to share. And transactions can happen, like true transactions can happen. You know, Bookings, payment, contracting, online, digital, lickety-split, true transactions. Workplace manager is a tool that we sell to companies to allow them to plan and execute the policies and the permissions that they want to apply to their employees. So... Jamie, let's imagine you are an employee at I don't know Spotify or AT and T or VMware. You're, you're an employee that Spotify for- sounds most fun. Let's go with that one. Let's imagine you're a Spotify. <laughs> you're a member of the Spotify. Hypothetically, <laughs> let's imagine you work for a music sharing company. Let's 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 be more abstract. Okay. Right. And your enlightened CEO and C suite and real estate organization and an HR organization recognizes that the world changed. Recognizes that they hired you in Lake Tahoe, not New York City, right? And you're a great and committed member of the community of employees, but they they also recognize that some of the time or much of the time you may need alternatives to your condo or your ski house right, to work. There may be moments when you want to come together with colleagues to do collaborative work or just to build culture. Or when the
0: Wi-Fi doesn't work quite as well as you need it to, for this. Busy or there call. may
1: be there may be days of the week when your partner working in the house is a distraction, or the kids home from school, whatever it might be. That there are moments when place really matters, whether it's for the human activity or for the structural aspects, right? And so they want to give you the means and the permission to be able to go do that. So workplace manager as a tool that we've now been selling to a growing list of midsize and very large companies allows them to set up the policies and the permissions to de- to decide. All right. How much can Jamie spend per day and per month? What types of spaces in what geographies is she authorized to transact? And even give Jamie, the employee, a company branded and personalized front door to that marketplace, right? Permission. And so the company is going to give permission and policies and the means for Jamie to then go forth and work, right? So the exciting thing is more and more companies are saying to their employees, that scale, you may go forth. Right. And part of the, the lubrication to that phenomena is platforms emerging that can make it safe and managed and trackable for companies to, to let that happen, for them to, to let go and enable flexibility and choice. So, with that, you know, our our solution for dynamic startups and large enterprise is the combination, the marriage of workplace manager as a management tool. And the marketplace that that many of your audience members know—they work together now.
0: Yeah, I love it. Hey, I just wanted to jump in really quickly before we continue with our discussion. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to invite you to join me for my free masterclass: Three Behind the Scenes Secrets to Opening a Co-working Space. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to share the three decisions that I've seen successful operators make when they're creating their co-working business the master class is totally free it's about an hour and includes some q a if you'd like to join me you can register at everythingcoworking.com forward slash masterclass. if you already have a co-working space i want to make sure you know about community manager university community manager university is a training and development platform for community managers and it can be for owner operators it has content training, resources, templates from day one to general manager. The platform includes many courses that cover the major buckets of the community manager role from community management, operations, sales and marketing, finance, and leadership. The content is laid out in a graduated learning path so the community manager can identify what content is most relevant to them depending on their experience and kind of jump in from there. We provide a live brand new training every single month for the community manager group. We also host a live Q&A call every single month so that the community managers can work through any challenges that they're having or opportunities, get ideas from other community managers, build their own peer network. We also have a private Slack group for the group. So if you're interested in learning more, you can go to everythingcoworking.com forward slash community manager. And a key point, it's super simple and has been the case for a long time, but these companies, I mean, that's, you know, partly why there's a travel department or whatever, you know, in companies at a certain size, they don't want their 10,000 employees submitting their individual receipts for the co-working space they found on Google. So they might, Google search to find the right location for them that might happen that way. And but then they might need to transact through liquid space in order to get that done. And we've heard anecdotally, you know, things like that mm-hmm. starting to happen because yeah. they just don't have the permission to submit their, you know, monthly membership fee or their meeting room receipt or whatever that is, because it's too yeah. disorganized on the back end for the company. It all needs to go into one place. So tools like that are they're critical in order to kind of Give permission for that individualized choice.
1: Absolutely, and I mentioned Kalispell, Montana mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, Mark and Aaron. Any, uh, <laughs> so, employee, you know, real world example names hidden. You know, employee from large telecom company who was given permission to access space wherever it worked for them via the Liquid Space platform. You know, turns out that salesperson has a territory that overlaps. The Kalispell, Montana region, and needed wanted and needed a space option there. That signal, that need that we were able to capture from this, you know, telecom salesperson, we were able to carry forward to a fantastic, you know, local co-working operator in Kalispell who had not previously been a part of our platform, and we were able to make that union happen in a far more natural and a far more rational way. Hey. There's a client here right now that would love to take advantage of your space periodically, but regularly. And so what I'll cite in that example is the the remapping of where workplaces for for many, many companies is underway. And it's, it's it's a greenfield organic thing. And the signals of need are popping up and the rewiring of the ecosystem of places that are needed by these exciting companies is happening in real time. And for us, that is driving a wave of expansion in the relationships that we have around the globe now with co working operators. You know, pre pandemic for us, it was sort of easy for, for me and us as a company to to think about the football cities yeah. or the gateway cities. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. I was <laughs> going to say that's kind of one of the most, I love that Kalispell example because, you know, Mark and Aaron, who are the owners of that space, went through my startup school and I'm thinking, would I not have told them? Like, You know, we have a whole like section on, you know, marketing and what you need to do. And it's possible that you would have said, right, the aggregators function really well in certain markets. And sometimes you'll, you know, get leads and sometimes you won't. And it feels like there's a shift that is now clear that (laughs) demand can pop up anywhere and that your platform is servicing that demand.
1: Yeah. Can I comment on the term aggregator? Totally. Yes. Tell me if I'm, yeah. No um, no it's it's yeah. a word that's out there in circulation a lot and and some people self identify as that term other observers in the market use it to categorize yep. a certain animal we don't think about ourselves as an aggregator and wouldn't want to be categorized as one so let me let me try to draw sort of a distinction there are a myriad of entities that exist that are simply creating lists of spaces they're putting those lists of spaces on a website. They're using that website and its inherent SEO attraction, along with, you know, marketing in investments to sort of buy traffic to create lead capture in most cases sort in of an anonymous way. Get in front of the operator by yes. I, to, to leap in front yeah, of the they, operator to I'll buy the to, yep. to, to to buy or or sort of yep. corner you know, the demand signal. And then in various ways, some that are a little bit messy, you know, try to maximize their ability to monetize those leads that they've captured across the supply base. And I think in the worst examples, that can include try to capture all the demand, build a list, anonymize who all the players are, try to capturize all the name, like take away all the names of the entities on the list, but try to capture all the signals and then send all of those leads to everybody and exploit the vulnerability that every coworking operator has which is yeah we you we all want every lead and oh by the way we will pledge you a fee for any lead that you send in hey folks you are being exploited today yeah. there are platforms it's that are sort sending of a
0: gamification in- of the google algorithm yeah. Yeah. without the robust back end of Tools and Well, there, that, and-
1: and, that and more specifically as well, there are entities that are sending every lead to every operator. You know, when a customer, when you go shopping on Amazon or on eBay or on Airbnb or on Expedia as a shopper, as a consumer, like you use these robust tools to search and filter and assess, and then you might, you know, engage. And if you engage to book the Kimpton Hotel, you're authorizing that platform to let Kimpton know that you're interested in Kimpton. Or if you are on the Amazon store and you click book it on the latest bestseller, you're expecting to buy that book. There's some stuff going on in the market right now where that consumer that looked at a list on an aggregator platform and said, oh, that one looks interesting. I'd like to learn more about that one. Unbeknownst to that consumer, that inquiry is being thrown at every operator in that market to guarantee that wherever the heck that consumer ends up going, we're going to get the fee. I'll characterize aggregator as platforms that are aggregating information to capture web traffic. So what are we doing? Or how how might I differentiate what we're doing? A couple of things. Number one, in the marketplace that we first built from day one and to this day, it has always been agnostic. It has always been transparent it is always represented in name, the identities of the participants. So, you know, inner space, yep. right? rest in peace, right? Like enter, enter space and Serendipity Labs and Industrious and Expansive and, and the thousands of extraordinary small operators, like your brand is vital to you, it shines. Like, so on the liquid space marketplace, somewhat uniquely, like those brands are represented. In addition, when a customer, like we have a sort of solemn vow to the users of the platform, if market spotify inquires through the platform at pacific workspaces in palo alto you know that inquiry goes there and there alone yeah he <laughs> we doesn't we don't, get hit with we don't send it to regis down audio. the street or to we work up the valley like it goes to one place so how the marketplace works how a transactional marketplace works is different than an aggregator in our transactional marketplace transparency yeah. independence and an end transaction. In addition, the other thing that we're doing very differently today as a company, and this goes back to my earlier comment about the workplace manager, we've now created, like, we're now keenly focused on helping bring this wave of midsize and larger company employees, how we're introducing them, in many cases, for the first time, to the co-working world, right? And so we're not out, that user that came to that. Calispell co working space, that user got there because we had done the hard work of building a trusted relationship with a very large telecom company, right, who had chosen our platform to use it as the tool that they use to enable their employees to go forth. So we're a hybrid workplace management platform. We're in the service of companies implementing hybrid workplace. Everything co working audience, you are the heart and soul of hybrid workplace. You are now the center of the bullseye. You are the heart and soul of it. The heart and soul of workplace had been the company campus. The heart and soul of it now is all of the places in between. It's you. Yeah. So, so we are in the service of that. So humbly, you know, don't, don't think of us as aggregator, though you've got some tough questions to answer for yourselves about, yeah, what in the aggregator category, you know, should I play? How should I play? And yeah, for sure, there's some that you should participate with, I think, but, but um, we're a different beast.
0: So that was super helpful to think about, you know, how to categorize it and what that term means. And I think helpful to the audience because I think aggregator is one of those just broad, it's like co-working, right? Well, you know. yeah. so I think there's a lot of language that's getting used right now that maybe over time will get sorted out and you know, filtered a little bit so that there's better terminology. So I appreciate that walkthrough. I think that was super helpful for everyone yeah. and to think about, also, maybe a lens through which to look when they're deciding. Okay, there are a lot of options: marketplaces, aggregators, platforms. How do I pick the ones that I'm that are going to be, you know, worth my time? It takes staff time to, you know, we got to create the listing gonna upload. I would strongly suggest that everyone think about, you know, these opportunities as marketing opportunities. Right to your point, the Calisbell example do we know did that person know about co-working before the company introduced it because the company's using a platform like liquid space like there's so many things i think we can no longer assume that the end user knows about co-working on their own and will just find us through google which is a very important lead source for other end user types and i think that's part of what liquid space is doing is bringing how do we get access to those folks that didn't know it was a solution, but their companies are put, so they're not on Google. Maybe they are, and maybe they, you know, they just need to go through the platform in order to transact, or maybe they didn't know it. They never been in one. They're intimidated by it. You and I have talked about some of the change management aspects of getting these folks into a space and having a great experience and coming back. And it may be that, you know, a platform, like yours is the way they get introduced to it and otherwise they would not have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's an enormous change management age that we're stepping into within companies where, which is increasingly involving the the HR and the people side of the house.
0: Right. All the headlines. Like I saw the Apple headline. Okay. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Don't judge me. Our bad. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's right. There's some internal HR change management group that's like trying to get it right, but you know, stumbling a little yep. bit and it's yeah, I don't envy those roles yep. of trying and, to be employee centric and trying to listen to you know leadership
1: and yeah and I also think um, there's been a little bit of a reflex, I think, in the past that I've sometimes sensed amongst some you know, community-driven space operators, that which is, oh, this, this I don't want this enterprise user. Like this suit's going to show up. They're not up. human somehow, right? <laughs> yeah, this robot's going to show up and they're not <laughs> that, you know, we're about community and the people and the connections and they can't possibly value that or be about that. And they're going to break our community or put it at risk. Let's put our human hats back on, our hearts back forward. Uh, there is a generation of employees now for whom the world just became a lot more open. Like there's a benevolent tyranny that was in place that said, Oh, you work for XYZ.com company, you will show up at the headquarters in Mountain View. Right. Period. Full stop. It was well intentioned. And oh, by the way, they gave you sushi. Right. <laughs> but, but that benevolent tyranny has lost its grip. You know, you mentioned the Apple headlines, the LinkedIn move. And these are just people that want to live a, a richer life experience they want to work from where it works, and that might mean the headquarters some days the extraordinary co-working space in their neighborhood other days home much of the time it's all those places and they're humans they appreciate environment they appreciate people they love serendipitous encounters they like to see their colleagues all these things that are fostered and are proven experiences that are delivered at co-working spaces they, they are no less relevant to this new wave of users that are coming at it with beginner's eyes and have been given permission for the first time. Many of them never really paid attention other than like work headlines to the whole category of co-working because they didn't have permission. It was never presented to them or encouraged to them. You know, why would they look into it? Some of them were maybe more curious or adventurous and had dabbled or heard about it firsthand. But for the most part, they're coming at it with beginner's eyes. They're noobs. And I would encourage the audience to have an open mind about it we're seeing it day over day now like the the you know the excited happy experiences like and if you consider the contrast to what they were forced to work and live under under this benevolent tyranny in some ways like everyone wants that raving customer right they want that viral word of mouth spread the contrast between the experience that an enter- a newly freed enterprise or or you know smb employee can have in exercising choice and discovering on their own terms, these great workplaces, arguably, it's probably significantly more dramatically better than the next freelancer <laughs> that might come in. So the virality and word of mouth opportunity that's spreading amongst company groups that we're seeing, like that's gold for, you know, that space operator in Montana, or in Ogden, Utah, or in you know, Vilnius, Lithuania, like the various places where we're seeing this, this kinetic thing happening. So I'd say like wrap your heart and soul and love around this community of users, welcome them in. Like they're great people. They pay on time, their companies do, and they travel in packs. You know, how great is that? Right.
0: And they're probably less likely, I keep talking to operators, we'd have to look at data on this, but to your point about paying on time. You know, the thing that happens in the summer, I was talking to an operator in Tucson. She's like, oh, we just lost a bunch of desks because it's summer in Tucson. Yeah. You know, the corporate companies may just let those float. You know, it's just an ongoing membership and, you know, people are in and out. Yeah. I also think from a practical standpoint. So one thing you mentioned, you know, we're talking about sort of the, the human factor of these folks, right. we may need to treat them, you know, even more humanly than others because they are new right? So how do we help them feel like not an outsider and how do they belong in something that's totally new to them?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's back to some of the things that we aggressively were preaching back in 2013, which was like things like that welcome experience, that first user or out of box experience, the world changed. There's, it's like, suddenly a whole new community of like kindergarteners was being welcomed to the school and they, they need to learn how the hallways work and how do you ask permission to go to the bathroom? Like, there's that out of box, new user, benevolent, motherly, let's welcome them in and not presume that they know how it works. Yep. Like I think, exactly. I mean, Jamie, me like a, a playbook for the first user, the enterprise, the new enterprise employee, first user experience that probably deserves a little bit of Intensity or a mm-hmm. reflection on the part of your audience. Yeah. Maybe yeah. even a course or a chapter in a course. A couple other observations that I can share perhaps that will maybe be inspiring to the audience as it relates to this new category of customer and or a little bit of a forecast to some of the behaviors that we're seeing happen. Right. So first off, they travel in packs. Right, so that first user that you might engage from a given company will likely foretell others from that company. Now, it depends on the size of the market, like, but but it's um, in contrast to landing a valued member that might be a freelancer or a member of a small company. They come in packs. We're also seeing a very distinct phenomena consistently, which is these newly freed enterprise employees and business users they're curious. Like they're traveling and using, they're eating off the full menu. Like there's this example that was just so conspicuous at this large tech company. It was an engineer, R&D guy in LA. He worked at a dozen different co working spaces from downtown LA to Santa Monica, including our great friend Jerome and others, right? It was uncanny. Like he went and ate off the entire yeah. menu. So we're seeing a lot of experimentation eroding and, and then we're also seeing a very distinct conversion amongst a meaningful percentage of, they shop and use lots of spaces, and then they convert to that membership. Or they shop in multiple spaces, and then a group of them make a pack decision to put a hub in place. The telecom company that I was citing earlier, that phenomenon happened in in the Salt Lake area. They sampled off of the entire menu, like 15 employees did, and then a hub happened. So they travel in packs. There's a big opportunity here. Uh, They like to sample. Their first user experience might be a tentative one. Don't take for granted that they know how it works. Show them around. (laughs) Sell them a little bit on the value. Make sure they see the nooks and crannies of what it means to be a member of your community. And then recognize that what might start as a a day next Thursday or a meeting every other Tuesday, in many, many cases, this converts into, oh, a team joining the community for a monthly agreement that might run for five years. That's a
0: great insight, right. Never taken an, uh, an initial lead too lightly.
1: Yeah, yeah, indeed.
0: Any other uh, behind the scenes look at what's going on in the mindset of the end user that that we need to know about?
1: Oh, um, at a good many of our clients, I, I touched on this earlier, but I'll hit it again, because so it's maybe a great point to end on. The HR community, the people community is mobilizing. It's been startling, but also encouraging. In a lot of cases, in some instances, we've had situations where it was the workplace and real estate organization that made the decision on the platform. And they may have had a, a program and an initiative around delivering workplace, hybrid workplace experience. And they were thinking about it from the place standpoint. Oh, wow, we've, we've gotta be agile and provide spaces anywhere in the world. And we need a way to do that with some oversight and control, boom. And they're running in their lane. Lo and behold, over in the HR side of the company in a couple of instances, completely disconnected, The HR community is thinking about hybrid employee experience and what the policies are that are going to foster a sense of engagement and foster the culture of the company and support the hiring and retention objectives of hiring managers. And in some cases, those worlds hadn't united. Now, that convergence of those two worlds is happening more and more. But I think we all together need to recognize that there are two really important audiences, in the best cases, they'll come to us collectively together, but we need to serve and be responsive to, actually, I'll, I'll break it three audiences. There's the employee users, the, you know, the first knock on the door, in many cases, will be that first employee that's landing in your space. Know that she or he or they you know, travel in packs and hope, you know, plan for the, the expansion. The other community is the company managers behind that employee that set the stage for them to have that privilege. And in that world, at, at the company level, at the employer level, there are the workplace and real estate leaders, and then there are the people leaders. And, and, and we are collectively, we're serving them both. And they have overlapping, but still, dissim- they have separate, but in some cases, overlapping concerns. HR is thinking about experience. They're thinking about retention. They're thinking about culture. Workplace is thinking about, sometimes it's you know, the tough stuff like all right, like overall spend and policy and oversight and data insights. But we together, you know, this industry, platforms such as ours, every operator on the planet, we're united in the service of, of that audience, the employees and then the key managers that have their distinct needs.
0: Yeah, it's such an exciting time. And obviously it continues to evolve. So thank you for coming on. And I hope we get to do this again. Quick parting question: What yeah. stop on your bike trip are you most looking forward to?
1: So I think a town called Bolzano for the audience, I'm a I'm, uh, first vacation of this type in three years. I'm flying to Munich with my son tomorrow. And we're going to start a bike tour in the Dolomites and travel south to Lake Garda. Trip of a lifetime for him. I hope he remembers it for his lifetime. I'm sure, uh, trusty he will. Uh, but there's a little town along the way. It's the second night uh, called Bolzano. And I, I happened to travel through there in a bike race about 15 years ago. And I remember at the time, it made an imprint on me. I remember at the time it like, it was after this like five hour stage of this bike race and it was all sort of physically shattered, but we were like sitting on a bench and just in the town square and watching as the evening rolled in. This is what's so charming about a lot of towns in Europe. There was the octogenarian couple, you know, grandma, grandpa walking hand in hand. And then there was the, there were the young lovers walking in the same square. And then there were the kids playing. Like it was this sense that, these towns are these vibrant communities, and they're much more connected than what I sometimes feel on, this, on Main Street, Palo Alto, mm-hmm. when I lived there, right? And so I'm really excited to go back to that specific town with, with my son in tow. And I'm hoping that that charm is still there. In a lot of ways, it's towns as communities. And actually, I mean, bringing it full circle, I think that's no small part of what that draw of these interesting little places that are vibrant communities is a part of the work that we're all doing together, right? Because so many of the nooks and crannies of the global fabric or tapestry of great places to work is in little towns like Bolzano, Italy, You know, or not that they're backwaters, but they're places that have been ignored in the past by the office industry, by the WeWorks, by the Regises, right? And so it's their time to shine. Yeah, I love it.
0: Well, thank you, Mark, and have an amazing trip.
1: Thanks, Jamie. All the best.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, tell a friend, hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. It makes a huge difference in helping others like you find us. If you'd like to learn more about our education and coaching programs, head over to everythingcoworking.com. We'll see you next week.